My fellow Americans, are you tired of the new normal? Are you tired of the lies? Election fraud. You know the thing that the mainstream media and big tech says doesn't exist? It is time to end it. We must keep going. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, keep moving. Many of you are sitting here because you're wanting to know what the plan is. This has to be peaceful. Cops, we have the right to peacefully assemble. The solution has been in front of us all along. Ask God if you should step into the gap and become a part of the plan. The plan is simple. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are the plan. If you're waiting for others to do the work for you, you're going to be waiting a long time. We are Conservative Daily. Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Oltman. I, I say that a lot, actually twice a day. <laughs> if you don't know who I am yet, then um, welcome to the show. Yeah, we have a special guest today, and I want to tell you, he, he probably doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to give him an introduction, and before we bring him on, I'm going to play this small cut from, but uh, Dr. Peter McCullough is an internist, uh, cardiologist, epidemi epidemiologist, managing the cardio cardiovascular complications in both the viral infection and the injuries developed after the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, based out of Dallas, Texas, since the onset of the pandemic, Dr. McCullough has been a leader in the medical response to the COVID-19 disaster and has published the uh, pathophysiological basis and rationale for early outpatient treatment of SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19 infection, the first synthesis of sequence multi-drug treatment of ambulatory patients affected with SARS-CoV-2 in the American Journal of Medicine, and subsequently updated in reviews of cardiovascular medicine. He has dozens of peer-reviewed publications and the affection on the infection and has commented extensively on the medical response to the COVID-19 crisis in The Hill, American Out Loud, and Fox News Channel. Um, there's so much stuff that I want to go through. He, you know, in all the research and the information and the white papers and everything I've read about Dr. McCullough, um, he's a very seasoned but very just balanced individual. Um, and really, he seeks for seeks truth. So before we go any further, I do want to play this three-minute cut from uh, Dr. McCullough's 17-minute testimony at the Texas Senate in June 2022. Let's go ahead and play this, and then we'll bring on Dr. McCullough. We knew by January 22nd there was a problem because the U.S. CDC Vaccine University event reporting system had too many deaths that have already happened with the COVID-19 vaccine than they had from all the prior vaccines combined. January 22nd of 2021, the warning bells came off, and then nothing happened. We knew on January 29th, through Freedom of Information now, our, Center for Disease, our, uh, our U.S. Uh, FDA and Center for Disease Control was supposed to be putting out monthly safety reports for America. No safety report. It would have been wonderful if these vaccines would have worked, but it was all about safety. We now know through, through court-ordered documents, freedom of information documents, Pfizer knew about 1,223 deaths within 90 days of release of their vaccine. Pfizer knew about it. We don't know if the FDA knew about it. Nobody did anything. And the freight train continued. Now, 
Fast forward, as death started to occur, people started to get very, very uncomfortable. You saw all the pushbacks, protests, all kinds of worldwide uh, uh, feelings of great vaccine hesitancy because people were dying shortly after the vaccine. Papers were published. 50% of the deaths occur within 48 hours, 80% within a week. We know the vaccines installed the genetic material for the Wuhan spike protein that was manipulated in a biosecurity lab in Wuhan, China. There are now a thousand papers published on the spike protein and the vaccines, a thousand that deal with vaccine injuries. And they're well characterized. And the FDA agrees. The vaccines cause blood clots. The vaccines cause heart damage. The vaccines cause neurologic damage. They also cause well characterized immunologic and hematologic system damage. This is in the peer reviewed literature. This is not equivocal. This is not a subject of controversy or de debate. It's in our literature. There are now brand new diseases named after COVID-19 vaccine injuries. As of June 17, 2022, our CDC VAERS system has and certified 13,388 Americans who have died with the vaccine. Wow. So without any further ado, I mean, this, this, is some, this is some damning information that's coming out, and Dr. Peter McCullough has been following since the beginning. Dr. McCullough, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You know, I've, I've followed your work for a long time. And, uh, you know, do you have any insight? By the way, if you have not seen the full testimony, the 17-minute testimony, you can go to uh, Dr. Peter A. McCullough's uh, Rumble channel. We'll put it up on the, on the screen as well. You need to watch the entire thing. Um, tell us what's happening. Well, you know, Joe, the, thanks for having me on the show. You know, the context for that testimony is I waited through eight hours of reports of different Texas bureaucrats who were congratulating themselves on handing out uh, hand sanitizer or masks or, uh, or vaccines. Um, uh, one uh, health system official was congratulating himself for disciplining doctors for using ivermectin. And I was absolutely stunned. I sat there for hours and I finally got up. It was late in the afternoon towards the evening and you heard that testimony. And what I told the Texas Department of Health and Human Services, I said, that's on your watch. All this happened on your watch. This happened on state health and human services watch, the federal US FDA watch. There are people accountable. Uh, the vaccine program stands as its own. I mean, Americans know that our CDC and FDA who are running the program they still have not produced a safety report for Americans to see. And so the, there's no transparency. It's, it reminds me of the election, which we're not going to talk about the election today, but <laughs> we're going to talk about the vaccine. Um, but so what was the response? I mean, what was the response of these, of these legislators after you had this conversation and, and, and testified in front of them? You know, I had some uh, administrative assistants rush out and give me personal emails and <clears throat> cell phone numbers. I think they were shaken. This was the second time I was in the Texas Senate. I've been in the U.S. Senate twice. And it's like, a, it's like they've been struck by lightning. And uh, what, we're, what we see is every time the truth really hits these officials, they're shaken. Uh, and they know they have a degree of complicity in what's happened. So, do you, I mean, did they did they make any sort of changes? Any sort of, I mean, did they go anywhere with that information? It's been a couple months. I mean, ha have they have they done anything with it? Have they activated or acted on behalf of the of the people they represent? 
the one thing that happened I think was tangible, Joe, is I, I really lectured <clears throat> this group about the concepts of duty to treat mm -hmm. and uh, community standard of care. And I, I told them that when patients get sick with COVID-19, there's always been a duty to treat. Doctors had the duty to treat them to prevent hospitalization and death. And the very first doctor in any community who attempted to treat a patient with COVID-19, no matter what drugs were used or what methods, that that established the community standard of care. A single doctor can establish a community standard of care. And then it develops after that. The drugs change, the complexity changes, but there's always been a community standard of care. <coughs> of interest, the community standard of care is not established by the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, or the state medical boards. In fact, these institutions have actually tried to impede the community standard of care. So what came out of this was doctors who were under investigation in Texas, <coughs> excuse me, received letters that said that their use of ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and other drugs now met the community standard of care. So I interpreted that and the Texas Medical Board was in attendance, that they finally understood that community standard of care is, is not a government operation. It's what doctors find useful taking care of their patients. Well, and but they told us on the media got involved in this and told us that ivermectin was, was a horse drug and that you shouldn't take it and tried to push everyone away from taking these prophylactics that were saving lives. And almost to the point where they made it criminal to get access to ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and punish doctors. There are doctors across the country that actually lost their medical license over uh, uh, preventative care. <coughs> I mean, and, but now you're telling me that they're recognizing this. So, so do those people get their licenses back? Do they get compensated for it? Or are we just in this kind of machine wash of, of hiding the truth? It appears to be a machine wash. You know, it's the first thing doctors ask is, do I get an apology? Do I get my legal fees back for trying to defend my license? Some doctors are well into the six figures in trying to defend their licenses, you know, about using simple drugs like budesonide or prednisone or colchicine. Um, I can tell you in our book, I wrote a book with John Leake. It's on the bestseller list in multiple categories at Amazon, Courage to Face COVID-19 preventing hospitalizations and deaths while battling the biopharmaceutical complex. We list these activities, like you mentioned, like, like that flooding the zone episode with uh, uh, ivermectin that happened in the fall of 2021. When they, That's a propaganda technique to have all the uh, news agencies, the FDA, the CDC, all the late night talk host shows, uh, show hosts, American Medical Association, they all said ivermectin was horse paste, but it's a human medicine Nobel Prize winning work has been done with it. It has a better safety profile than Tylenol. And uh, it is government and non-government organization guidelines and several dozen guidelines worldwide to use ivermectin to treat COVID-19. So what, what Americans were seeing is they were seeing propaganda. There was intentional propaganda and it happened the year earlier with hydroxychloroquine. And these episodes of propaganda in our book, Joe, uh, we think they're intentional, and uh, they are done to intentionally promote fear, to cause hospitalizations and deaths in order to force the vaccine agenda on Americans and people worldwide. You know, it's it's hard for me. It's hard for me to say it. it 
most people, it's difficult for us to think about the fact that they would do this on purpose, that they would actually lead to death and destruction on purpose. You took an oath to protect those people that you, that you are taking care of, that are under your care. What has happened? I mean, and, and I, we have lots of things to go over with you and a lot of, of uh, pieces that I want to show you, but what's happened to your profession? What's happened to the, the doctor profession where bureaucrats are now telling the doctors, the people that are experts, sit down, shut up, we, we got this handled, and if you don't, we're going to take everything away from you? You know, I don't buy that, Joe, to tell you the truth. Doctors are terrible workers. They're terrible employees. Uh, they're always battling with hospital administrators. They never follow any rules yeah. at all. I don't believe in a, in a second that in COVID-19, suddenly doctors snap into line and they, they followed orders from administrators. These types of questions you have to ask doctors. Find a doctor who never treated a COVID patient. He let all of his patients suffer the illness, get hospitalized and some die. And that same doctor in an unbridled fashion promoted the vaccine. You have to ask these people what's in their mind. I'm always asked to try to answer for them and I can't do it. I just can't do it. I, I, you know, I, I told Tucker Carlson, I told the, the US Senate, Joe Rogan, I told them all, I said, listen, I can't do that. I can't ethically let my patients suffer and die when I can treat this illness early. I'm gonna do everything I can to help them. Well, do, I mean, and in, and in that light, do you think that there are more doctors out there than we were? I mean, do you think that there's like a, that it's actually a massive amount of doctors that wanted to treat their patients with these prophylactics and that they just found themselves, you know, butting up against walls? Or do you think it's a, a small majority? Because I, I talk to doctors all the time. Like I have a lot of friends that are doctors that I play golf with and they all tell me the same thing. Joe, keep ivermectin on, on check. Make sure you have some, if you need something, let me know. They're doing things like going around to India and Mexico to get drugs to give them access to uh, people around them and, and risking their license in some cases. So I just I don't know, know of many doctors that have, are doing these things, yet we know that, that, that this is happening. This is, this is happening in hospitals. Well, we have some proxies of numbers. So let's take doctors. There's a million doctors in the United States, about 90% MDs, 10% DOs. There's half a million nurse practitioners and physician assistants. They can all prescribe drugs. That's the workforce. We know the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons was the only physician organization that's chartered that actually promoted early treatment. They had the very first early treatment guide. And then some de novo physician groups arose. We know that the COVID summit group of doctors who have signed petitions supporting early treatment uh, and, and cautions on the vaccines is about 17,000. Uh, AAPS roster of treating doctors is 500. And then a Texas A&M survey uh, about the vaccines found 10% of doctors don't believe the vaccines are safe or effective. Uh, and then a small fraction of those are willing to speak out about it. Another source of data, 96% of doctors took the vaccines. Most of them actually asked no questions about what's in them, what the mechanism is, they took the vaccines uncritically, yet these doctors are so particular with all the other aspects of their healthcare. It's really astonishing. And, and, and I guess, you know, I, I have like 20 questions I wanna ask at the same time, but, but I wanna, I gotta get back on this because there's so many things I want people to hear from you. Uh, the CDC just took off um, a paragraph about, sp spike proteins. Are you familiar with that? Yes. 
So they had the facts about the mRNA uh, COVID-19 vaccines for those that are on the audio version. And at the bottom of, on the left is what used to be on the website and on the right is what it is now. But it says the mRNA and the spike protein do not last long in the body. Our cells break down mRNA from these vaccines and get rid of it within a few days after vaccination. Scientists estimate that the spike protein, like other proteins, like other proteins our bodies create, may stay in the body for up to a few weeks. But on the right side, Dr. McCullough, there is no, it's gone. So do you believe that the CDC is complicit in trying to hide information? Yeah, I do. The CDC has had false statements on their website for quite some time. It's been known that the spike protein lasts in the body well more than a year. Work by Bruce Patterson, formerly at Northwestern and Stanford. He's now started a company, Incel DX. Bruce has shown that very convincingly in his analyses. Bowmeyer and colleagues from Germany showed spike protein in heart muscle cell of people suffering from myocarditis. There's no doubt about it. Now, what you showed on the right-hand panel, if you can bring that back up, Joe, is one more statement that technically is true, but it's misleading. Look at that statement on the right. It says they do not affect or interact our DNA. The messenger RNA from these vaccines do not enter the nucleus. Well, that's technically true. The messenger RNA doesn't enter the nucleus, but now a paper by Marcus Alden and senior author Yang D. Marinus from Malmo, Sweden. This has been out for six months now. They showed that Pfizer reverse transcribes through an enzyme called line one, and a copy of Pfizer, a copy, is inserted into the nucleus of human hepatoma cells. And in fact, it does reverse transcribe. It, it's thought because it's the middle portion they were able to identify that the entire Pfizer code is installed into human DNA. So you can see that the next thing that the CDC will have to do is ultimately revise that bottom statement because in a sense, Pfizer is getting in and, re and changing human DNA. So if they're changing human, human DNA, what's the outcome? What, what's the potential outcome if something, if, if, they're, if they're changing DNA on nearly half the population around the globe? Yeah, well, th these are the possibilities, and I've spent some time with this uh, with senior scientists. <clears throat> Dr. Polycretus, uh, a Greek scientist in Italy, believes that each cell that expresses spike protein is killed by the immune system. So it just may mean autoimmune disease. Uh, uh, it's a possibility. Now, we know uh, when foreign genetic material incorporated into our body's cells, it may be suppressed for a long, long time. Uh, and that's fine. And then under the setting of stress, it comes out like Epstein-Barr virus or varicella zoster virus. Or it's possible, the third possibility is that it installs and then it constitutively produces the spike protein, meaning there's low-level spike protein production, which is toxic to the cells and tissues, and then it causes chronic disease. There's one paper from University of Pittsburgh showing the S2 segment of the spike protein by modeling probably interacts with two cancer genes P53 and BRCA or BRCA. So it's within the realm of scientific possibility that this genetic installation could lead to chronic diseases, heart damage, blood clots, neurologic damage, immunologic uh, disease, and cancer. So on, on that line, and, and you know, I've, I've looked at all the information that um, Robert F. Kennedy came out with as far as related to 1986 and the vaccine increase and autoimmune disease that's, that basically has plagued, um, plagued most of America for the last you know, 30 years. 
Do you think there's any correlation in what was happening in back? And this is a this is a, a loaded question. I get it, but do you think correlation in what we're we're seeing in uh, increases in diseases and uh, to the vaccines previously, and that this is just a kind of a manifestation of being able to test it through all of those different trials on people through the years? Well, I think categorically the COVID nineteen vaccines, uh, messenger RNA vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, the adenoviral vaccines. Johnson & Johnson outside the United States, AstraZeneca. I think they're on a whole different level in terms of being dangerous, promoting blood clotting, heart damage, immunologic damage, uh, and the FDA agrees. I mean, the FDA has warnings on this vaccines that we don't see on any other vaccines. But having said that, I may be a little bit older than you, but when I was born, there was only three vaccines on the schedule for a kid. Now there's over 70 vaccines. and and many of them are administered on the first day of life. It, it almost to me now seems like an immunologic assault on a newborn baby and then the infants, toddlers, et cetera. And I think there's time for re-examination of the schedule. I've only seen one comparative study, contemporary comparative study, it was done by Paul Thomas in Oregon, where he had about half his practice not take any vaccines for the children and half the practice follow the routine schedule. And, uh, you know, it was astonishing. He found those that went vaccine-free had markedly diminished risks of asthma, autoimmune disease, neuro neurologic disease such as Asperger's or, um, uh, or attention deficit disorder, et cetera. So I, I, think, I think the whole vaccine schedule should be re-examined since we're in the midst of a vaccine safety disaster. Well, there was an article written, um, and this is, uh, if you, Mr. Producer, if you can put this up, this is A3, Dr. Peter McCullough, this, the COVID shot is a form of bioterrorism. Its spike protein is pathogenic. Um, you are five times more likely to die of the vaccine than you are to take your risks with COVID-19. Therefore, those that choose not to get the vaccine, in fact, made a smarter choice. Um, as, as I read this, the, the thing that you said is a spike protein in itself is lethal to some through mechanisms which are now very well accepted and understood in human medicine. Why are people ignoring the things that you're writing, Dr. McCullough? Why are they gaslighting you? Why is the media hiding it? Why, why are they writing articles saying that this is false or unproven? See, that's how they get around the false is they say, well, this is unproven. Yeah, you know, I've actually fact-checked the fact-checkers, and many of them <laughs> trace back to the Pointer Institute, yeah. which is funded by the Gates Foundation. And, uh, you know, this is important to know. The fact checkers that are claiming this are uncredentialed. Most of the time they're anonymous. Not a doctor like me with 650 peer reviewed publications in the National Library of Medicine, you know, over 55 on SARS CoV 2. None of them have my stature or credentials. You know, one thing I'll tell you there isn't anybody in medicine at my stature who's actually said I'm wrong. No one. No one has said I'm wrong. They're just quiet. This is very important. They're quiet. Now, in terms of this word, you know, bioterrorism, the, the U.S. does have operations uh, through the NIH. The division is called BARDA and through the military is called DARPA. But they do have established operations uh, after SARS-1. They had one on SARS-CoV-2. They have one on monkeypox, smallpox. Uh, there's one on anthrax. So I can tell you the one on SARS-CoV-2 in 2015, there were papers published in Nature as well as Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences by first author Menacheri. This is 2015. 
and senior author Ralph Barrick, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Harvard, a Swiss Institute, and the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. But they're mainly U.S. projects, U.S. funded projects. The work was done in the lab in China. But the title of the papers is Emergence of SARS-CoV-2 into Human Populations. They had basically tweaked the virus so it could invade a humanized respiratory epithelial tract in animals. It's in the papers. They were working on the threat and they were working on answers, which was a killed vaccine and monoclonal antibodies. But I can tell you, I would conclude that this was a U.S. government funded operations, U.S. economic, ops, uh, you know, it's in the peer reviewed literature. Now a paper by Farkas and colleagues in military medicine and two papers by a Chinese scientist, Yan, in the preprint server, they've concluded that SARS-CoV-2, as well as the vaccines that code for the spike protein, that they do qualify as bioweapons according to academic criteria. So Dr. McCullough, that means that they're releasing bioweapons on the American people in order to kill them. And I will remind everyone before we go on that as we fight to take back our country and as we are all preparing for the future that lies ahead of us, how important it is for you to protect your family and prepare yourself to be able to do so. We're blessed to have a relationship with DCF Guns here in Colorado. They have three locations, one in Castle Rock and two down in Colorado Springs. Uh, but they have a ton of inventory. It's one of the things I love about DCF. They consistently have more inventory than anywhere else that I've, I've seen. If you need a handgun for concealed carry, if you need something to protect your home, go to DCF Guns at any of their locations. Uh, if you go to dcfguns.co, uh, which is what you're looking at right now, you can go straight to their online store and you can check out the things that they do currently have in stock right now. Make sure that you get something that's appropriate and most importantly, make sure that you get some training. You can do that at DCF Guns. They offer some great training by some really, really phenomenal instructors. So go get something that's going to work for you, that's going to allow you to be prepared Get ammo, magazines, whatever you need. They have safes. And most importantly, get training, get familiar with the weapon that uh, you choose, and make sure that you and your family are protected. So that's DCF Guns in Castle Rock and in Colorado Springs. They have two locations there. Go to dcfguns.co to go straight to their online store. We don't know the intention. Uh, and, you know, I'm just a doctor reporting yeah. the literature as I quote them, Joe, but I'm just quoting the literature. I think that's one of the reasons why I've never gotten a bad email or a phone call. I've never had a chief of medicine ever contradict me at all because I'm citing the literature. They can look at the same papers and the papers have the conclusions as written. So you have an article that you just wrote. It's vaccine manufacturers railroad products through FDA while raking in pre-purchase revenue. Um, this is a damning article. Just give us an overview, it, it, and I had a chance to read it just before we came on, but give us an overview on what this article is about. And by the way, we'll put it into the comments, and I'll drop it into the review as well so everybody can read it. Well, thanks for taking a look at that. That's on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I have talk radio shows twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday. Then it hits the podcast network today on Tuesdays. Uh, it's a very popular podcast. But in this write-up, I point out, that this has all been set in place. You know, the, the Gates Foundation with the World Economic Forum in 2017 formed CEPI, the Center for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovation. And they have a, you know, a 63-page business plan. It says there will be viral and microbial threats to the world. And there will be an answer 
and that will be mass vaccination for the world. And they have a, and they have a very generous budget and a business plan. They expect to receive revenues. And what they figured out is if there can be declaration of a worldwide and then countrywide emergency, a health emergency, then there's no uh, budgetary oversight. There's no uh, voting, uh, uh, no uh, omnibus reconciliation. It's just the treasuries are opened up and drained dry. So these products are pre-purchased. Doesn't even matter if they're safe or if they don't work. And the companies, in this case, Pfizer, Moderna, uh, they basically are just suppliers. Uh, they just are supplying product uh, and the revenue is absolutely pouring into them. They have no sales force. They've had no development costs. Uh, it is a massive windfall for these suppliers. So basically they're robbing the bank in front of the American people and creating chaos so the people can't see it. Right, that's exactly right. You know, you, you go into you know, the, the information related to what you just said and the number of, the amount of money I mean, the contract award for one is $1.74 billion for the manufacture and delivery of 66 million doses of mRNA 1273.222, as well as an option to purchase up to an additional 234 million doses of uh, vaccine booster candidates from Moderna. So, so this, is, this is all about money? I mean, does it, does it really come down to money? Are the American people being bilked and, and stolen from and their, their retirements re being reduced by 40, 50 percent? Um, so that these people can just bilk the American people, take more? We knew in pandemic response, just with the respiratory illness, that 10% of the GDP was basically printed and injected into these suppliers. And that's what threw us into this inflationary spiral right now. You can't just take 10% of the GDP and just make it up and inject it in. So in vitro diagnostics, vaccine manufacturers, uh, paying hospitals for COVID admissions, uh, uh, it keeps going on and on. This is a massive uh, spend. Uh, but what we have here is uh, uh, people in the government, and no one knows exactly who's in charge of this, uh, probably HHS and uh, CMS, that they simply are approving purchase of products without any assessment on safety or whether or not they work. Now, these bivalent vaccines which uh, for Pfizer, it's going to be the same total dose, 30 micrograms, but half of it is going to be the new genetic code for the common element of the BA4, BA5 subvariant, and half of it's the original Wuhan spike protein, which is obsolete. Uh, you know, Pfizer has been pre-purchased, uh, and Moderna, it's going to be half dose total, 50 micrograms, again, this half-half split. Uh, these were approved only on antibody responses done in a small number of mice uh, and antibodies in mice are an unreliable surrogate of what's going to happen in humans so we have no assurances that these are wow. safe in human beings and we have zero assurances whatsoever that they're going to work um so, <laughs> I, and i'm not laughing dr mccall i'm not laughing i just see this and there's many people like me that are not doctors we read play one on TV maybe every now and then, but we read a lot. We, we, are, we are purveyors of truth. We're just, we then get access to more information, other information that says, ah, Dr. McCullough, what you said was inaccurate. It's not true. One such article came out on healthfeedback.org. 
and this is uh, th this is some of the th some of the blowback you got from being with Joe Rogan. But Joe Rogan interview with Peter McCullough contains multiple false and unsubstantiated claims about COVID-19 pandemic and vaccinations. It, it, it goes through, and I, I want to just said what's inaccurate. I want you to see this and maybe give you your thought on this. It says details. The COVID-19 vaccines aren't experimental. <laughs> Their safety and efficacy were demonstrated in clinical trials that involved tens of thousands of people. Previously infected people don't have permanent immunity given that reinfections can and have occurred. Unsupported, that was inaccurate, well, is no evidence was presented for the assertions that the pandemic was planned or that scientists and our public health authorities are conspiring to prevent people from getting early treatment. There's also no evidence for the claim that spike protein generated by mRNA vaccine is dangerous. <laughs> Dr. McCullough, how, I, I laughed as I was reading it. Well, let's take the last one first. There's a thousand papers in the peer-reviewed literature showing the spike protein is dangerous. It's just a matter of which one do we want to start with. In terms of planning, uh, the book by Peter Bregan, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, I wrote the introduction. There are, in the timeline in the back, there's 36 pandemic preparedness planning events since 2012. 25 of them generated written documents we can review and six of them were filmed. You can actually just watch the film, including Event 201. You know, there's documentaries, Plandemic 1 and Plandemic 2. So there was planning, uh, and, and there's no doubt about it, the spike protein is, is dangerous. And uh, we can go through every one of these false claims put out by an anonymous fact checker, and, uh, and we can, you know, again, clearly, I, I stand behind every statement I've made. And, you know, when Joe Rogan when I came on Joe Rogan, you know, I set all records. To this day, I'm still the all-time record holder for listens, views. We probably reached about half the country through all these different clips. And uh, when this got to the point of the White House and Spotify and Neil Young and Prince Harry, you know, I messaged everybody. I said, listen, I'll be happy to go to the White House. I, I showed Joe Rogan slides. These were CME scientific slides with every citation. I'll go to the White House. And I'll show the president, bring the Surgeon General, can bring Anthony Fauci, White House Task Force. We'll go over, you know, all the data on vaccine safety. We'll go through it. It'll take a while. There's 200 papers on heart damage. And the message back was, well, uh, really wasn't you, Dr. McCullough. Uh, it's really Joe Rogan made some uh, racial statements in prior podcasts. So the, the focus quickly got off me uh, when, you know, I was very clear and when I go on, if you notice, I go on view, I'm very careful in the citations. I go on Fox and Newsmax, ABC, go on all the stations. And what people rely on me uh, for me for is being exact scientifically. By the way, you never see our public health officials cite any data. Never. At all. At all. I mean, they, they could talk for 15 minutes and never say anything other than feelings, drama, people are going to die, you're going to kill grandma. I mean, and not back it up with any sort of substantial information. This article written, and, and I want to I say something because I think it's important. This article written in healthfeedback.org was written anonymously. anonymously. And, and other, there's, there's no author. So they're, they're, they're fact-checking you, Dr. McCullough, with no author. No one well, to take the fault. Well, they're fact-checking just by putting out false claims. I mean, the fact-checkers should be fact-checked. Uh, you know, Steve Kirsch, uh, the millionaire entrepreneur, he was fact-checked by uh, Politico, and they wanted to actually have a Zoom conference with him, and a Zoom conference, 
And he recorded it and he said, fine. He said, I'm, I'm going to put out the recording. No, 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 you can't do this. You can't do this. So, uh, you know, it was clear they were trying to entrap him. There's an entire industry of fact checkers uh, that are working to put out the false agenda. We know this is going on. By the way, in the pandemic preparedness um, uh, events that Bregan uh, mentions, there's actually a tremendous social media and print and electronic media push uh, in order to involve, advance a false agenda. We now know through America First Legal, as well as through my lawsuit with Twitter, that Twitter actually was conspiring with the CDC, other governmental agencies, so was uh, Facebook and other social media, to actually put forward a false agenda and intentionally suppress uh, you know, scientific papers uh, and citations that would support early treatment or raise concerns on vaccine safety. Unbelievable. I, I want to, Mr. Producer, I sent this to you. This is the who is for, <laughs> this is dangerous, Dr. McCullough, because there are people that won't take preventative medicine because they're being told that, hey, this is for horses, that, that you know, this won't, this has massive side, again, no facts, massive side effects. People are dying from ivermectin poisoning, which is just not happening. Um, Mr. Producer, put up the who is. This is the who is for the publication. Now, typically there's, you know, you can look up who owns that publication. And if you look right here, this is owned by uh, Redacted for Privacy, Redacted for Privacy, Redacted for Privacy. So you have a anonymous source writing an article in an anonymous uh, website that talks about and is then promoted by Google, promoted by Bing. I looked at the, the quality score of the product of the article, and it's in the, by the way, this is unprecedented. It's in the 80s to 90s, depending on which search engine you use. Dr. McCullough, they're, they're literally promoting a false claim, and the tech companies are involved in it. I mean, so they're complicit too. So how deep does this what? go? You know, on Rogan, I mentioned uh, Johns Hopkins uh, planning exercise called SPARS, the SPARS pandemic. And it says there will be a coronavirus outbreak. And this was uh, conducted in 2017. And they printed up an 80-page uh, meeting summary. They said there will be an outbreak and we will use social media in this way in order to, you know, change the thinking of people worldwide on this and it is oriented towards one thing a needle in every arm without any exceptions with no hesitancy and with re respect it doesn't matter if it works or not doesn't matter it's safe the only thing that matters is a needle in every arm i'm i'm just I, we, we have a small portion by the way of the the mccullough or excuse me of the the uh, rogan interview i'd like to play it this and I get your thoughts on it. This is a four-minute clip of Dr. McCullough on Joe Rogan. Go ahead and play it. And before we go on, we have a new sponsor of the show. That is American Hartford Gold. If you're like us here at Conservative Daily, you are growing more and more, and you are concerned about the future. And how could you not be? Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing. Market experts like Jamie Dimon, CEO of J.P. Morgan, not only predict a recession, but are using terms like economic hurricane and unprecedented 
If you want to protect your future, do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call, and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. And they make it easy. They are the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the BBB and thousands of satisfied clients. If you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 855-965-5545. That's 855-965-5545 or text the word FREEDOM to 998899. Again, that's 855-965-5545, or text FREEDOM to 998899. If your protocol had been established and distributed worldwide, if people had recognized that this is a way to deal with early treatment, you think that the overall number of COVID deaths would have been significantly reduced? I testified in the U.S. Senate. November 19, 2020, I told Americans under oath that 50% of the lives at that time could have been saved. We were at about 250,000 deaths, based on what I knew. I then testified on March 10, 2021, in the Texas Senate, sworn testimony. I upped that to 85% of the deaths could have been avoided. We know that because we carried out studies. We did one with Proctor here in, in Dallas-Fort Worth, where we demonstrated that even the early primordial protocols before the monoclonal antibodies, when we use drugs in combination, were associated with 85% reductions in hospitalizations and deaths compared to fair comparator groups. In, for death, we use the Tri-County Area and DFW averages age-adjusted. And for hospitalization, we use the Cleveland Clinic calculator, which is a very precise estimate of the risk of hospitalization. Then simultaneously, Derwand and Zelenko showed that from our own New York data, and then Didier Rial showed it from Marseille, France. So we have three different areas showing early multidrug therapy as an outpatient works substantially, and we've had a giant loss of life, a giant number, millions and millions of unnecessary hospitalizations. Uh, and it seemed to me, and I, listen, I've told Tucker Carlson and many others, it seems to me early on there was an, an intentional, very comprehensive suppression of early treatment in order to promote fear, suffering, isolation, hospitalization, and death. And it seemed to be completely organized and intentional in order to create acceptance for and then promote mass vaccination. So you believe this is a premeditated thing that they were doing. So they realized that in order to get people enthusiastic about taking this vaccine, the best way to do that was to not have a protocol for treatment. It's not just my idea. Now it's completely laid out by the book by Dr. Pam Popper, the book recently published by Peter Bregan, uh, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. I wrote one of the uh, introductions, Dr. Leafleet and Dr. Vladimir Lysenko wrote the other introductions. These books are basically nonfiction. They have a thousand citations in the Bregan book showing how it was coordinated and planned. Now Bobby Kennedy. <coughs> Dr. McCullough, you stated, and, and I want to ask you if this is still the case, you stated that 50% of the people could have been saved with early treatment, and then you moved that to 85% could be saved. Sorry, you're, you're muted, Dr. McCullough. 
Yeah, I'm sorry I was coughing. Um, but I have done an analysis based on my sworn testimony now uh, in the U.S. Senate and Texas Senate. Going backwards, because there was a learning curve, what we know now is, if, if for instance, if I was running the pandemic response in the United States, what I would tell Americans is that I could have saved through early treatment protocols two-thirds of the lives lost and we could have avoided two-thirds of the hospitalizations. so we're talking about two-thirds of a million deaths two-thirds of 10 million hospitalizations going forward the viruses mutate is a lot milder and the treatments are so much better and the protocols are so much more precise i estimate now we can save 95 percent of anybody with serious COVID-19. And I'm right because the hospitals are essentially empty and uh, and patients are getting through the illness very easily. I wanna, I wanna ask you if, if this is accurate. And again, I, I have so many questions for you personally because I've, I, uh, I don't stalk you. I'm not gonna say I stalk you, but I read all your stuff. <laughs> um, it, and uh, you know, it was COVID-19 that got me into this. I was a tech CEO for a decade. So I wasn't even involved in anything other than seeing that this was, that, you know, that this was an attack on on everything we stand for in humanity. But on the Open Vares report, it says that two million two hundred seventy-eight thousand three hundred eleven people report of vaccine adverse events in Vares. Um, Thirty thousand six hundred and five COVID vaccine reported deaths. Forty thousand two hundred twenty-five total reported deaths. 175,000 total, total COVID vaccine reported hospitalizations and 250,000, 258,000 total reported hospitalizations. And then uh, 1,394,000 vaccine adverse event reports. Do you think this is light or do you think this is a, a, a good indicator of what's happening in the United States? Well, this is unprecedented. Can you bring it back up if, yes. you're, uh, if you're a producer, producer. Is, if this is live on the internet? Just yes. hover over home, hover over home, and then click on, uh, okay, click on red box reports if you can. You should see uh, the, uh, yeah. Red box summaries, um, there we go. Okay, now, now, Joe, this is United States, but other countries report in, some Central American countries, Japan and Germany. So this is not United States, this is bigger than the United States. So t look at that toggle, the toggle in the middle of the screen there above the, uh, yeah, now this is U.S. So now we're talking. This is what's happened in the U.S. It's absolutely unprecedented. Look at 14,212 Americans have died. Now scroll up. Just stay here and scroll up, and you'll see when these deaths occurred. The deaths, uh, as the CDC is telling us. Now these are CDC data. Keep scrolling up. Keep scrolling up. Okay, look at there. The deaths, Joe, the majority occur on day zero, the day they take the vaccine, or on day one. These are nearly wow. instantaneous deaths. Now, these are the ones reported to the CDC. Uh, you, you know, I report these data to the CDC as a doctor, and, and good doctors do, uh, nursing home workers, vaccine administration center workers, pharmacists at CVS and Walgreens. When someone dies in CVS and Walgreens, they have a duty to report that they died just after taking the vaccine. I mean, look at that. That's astonishing that we have, I think that number is, 
how many people have died right in the pharmacies? That's a thousand people have basically died on the spot. Um, uh, you know, this is just what the CDC knows about. Uh, this is extraordinary. Uh, you know, if we would have had five of these or 10 or certainly no more than 50, this would be pulled off the market. There's a thousand deaths that occur relatively immediately after the needle is put in, Joe, and they're still on the market. Well, Dr. McCullough, there's, there's another thing that just came out, and that is you're more likely to die of an unknown condition <laughs> than anything else in the, in the country. So, so we don't, we, we actually don't, and that's why I asked the question, is it, do you think these are understated? Because now they're coming out saying that, you know, cause unknown of death has increased dramatically, making it the number one cause of death in the United States. Well, the CDC has, uh, uh, and the VAERS system has been heavily criticized because it is a gross underreporting. You can imagine if someone takes the vaccine and dies of a blood clot three months later, chances are no one's going to recover the vaccine card and make the entry. So what's reported to VAERS are the immediate cases, which is stunning about 14,000 immediate cases. I mean, people literally, their lives are extinguished after they take the vaccine. This is a stunning revelation. This is, this is a greater number than people who die by lethal injection in prisons. Uh, th this number is, uh, you know, ranks up there with, with, with catastrophes in the United States, and yet people are going into vaccine centers and this is what happens. Now, in prior studies of other vaccines, the underreporting could be 100 to 1. Lots of estimates with COVID-19 vaccine deaths, and the consensus is, is between 5 and, and 20-fold underreported. There is a paper from Columbia by Pantazatos and Seligman that puts the estimate through December at the upper limit of the confidence interval at 187,000 Americans who have lost their lives. And when the lives are lost, what we are suspecting is that uh, there is no explanation because people aren't getting the vaccine card and reporting this. And so you're right. Now, the leading cause of death in a lot of jurisdictions is unknown. Prior to COVID, we always know the cause of death. It's 40% heart disease, 40% cancer, and 20% other causes. So it's astonishing to hear about athletes, for instance, dropping dead of unknown causes because they're all screened for heart disease ahead of time. They're all screened by their doctors. It's astonishing to hear about <clears throat> young public figures, even older public figures uh, of unknown cause. You know, the very first time this happened was baseball great Hank Aaron. He took the vaccine in, in January of, of 2021 and a few days later, later he, died he died of unknown causes. <laughs> And and we've seen it we've seen it happen time and time again across the board. And uh, but with that said, Dr. McCullough, do you think that we're headed towards a Nuremberg trial? I mean, I I, I don't want to use those things, but but something that allows for Americans to get a bite at the apple and hold Anthony Fauci and others responsible for what they've done to their families. And as we see the continued assault on our privacy on our freedoms and the information war we find ourselves in, it's always important to protect your online activity. So if you're tired of feeling like someone's always watching you on the internet, or maybe advertisers know a little bit too much about you, if you're concerned about the privacy of your identity, using incognito mode will not solve the problem. 
IPVanish VPN is here to protect your right to privacy and help you stay anonymous online. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet without exposing your private details to third parties such as hackers, your ISP, or advertisers. You can use IPVanish on your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use IPVanish, all of your data is encrypted. This means your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online, and it's that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed. So whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners of Conservative Daily Podcast, and you get a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you're getting nine months for free. On top of that, it's an awesome deal. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you do is tap one button, and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's running. Stop sharing with the world everything you watch, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. Go to ipvanish.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com forward slash daily. We'd have to have a lot more public outrage. Joe, I am astonished at how many people die and the family members express no outrage. They don't hold a press conference, nothing. There's simply some type of eulogy where it says we should enjoy time while we have it on earth, especially a young person who dies. I mean, a young person who dies, uh, there's a long history of cancer, heart disease, cystic fibrosis, a car accident, suicide, drug overdose. But young people just don't die of unknown causes and then have the parents be unconcerned about it. We saw this with, um, with Republican Congressman Sean Kasten and his daughter, uh, and he was very pro-vaccine. He tweeted about this, tweeted about getting his kids vaccinated, and then his 17-year-old daughter looks perfectly healthy, uh, dies, and there's just no outrage. Uh, we've seen this time and time again. I think uh, last week it was a front office, uh, you know, athletic man uh, dies in Miami Dolphins front office, and we've just seen public figure after public figure, no one questioning whether or not it could be the vaccine. I can tell you, if someone dies within 30 days of taking any product, according to the FDA regulatory practice, it's due to that product until proven otherwise. With emerging sources of data, that when someone dies after COVID-19 vaccination, the average time is about four to five months. And it may be a blood clot, heart damage, the things that the FDA recognizes. So we may be beyond that. 30-day window. Sadly, who's dying of the vaccines are the seniors. And this was shown in a paper by McLachlan and colleagues. And so here, nursing home patients and others, it's thought, well, they're dying of, they're at the end of their life and they're dying. But McLachlan showed it's sharply related to COVID-19 vaccination. Well, it, it, it reminds me of this. So I have a friend uh, whose uh, mother, 101 years old, um, <laughs> was put into a, a nursing home because she just had, you know, she's 101. She was slowing down a little bit. And so one of the requirements for her to go into the nursing home was to get a booster shot. She had had the vaccine. To get a booster shot, she got a booster shot. Two days later, she literally sat in the chair and fell asleep and died. And so I, you know, that's, and, and I said, you know, talk about outrage. I didn't see any outrage. But I do believe that that is related to something that, Mr. Producer, if you can put this up, 
they, they try to tell us that correlation does not imply causation and use things like dinosaurs didn't read, now they're extinct. Like right? there's no, right? Do you think that they've conditioned the public to say that, oh, just because there's, there's a connection between the vaccines and death does not mean that happened. It could have just been a coincidence. You know, this is the most dangerous thing that I think my son has been, you know, he went to, to the University of Denver. My son was, he'd always come home and says, Dad, uh, correlation does not mean causation. He would say it over and over and over again. Do you think that maybe that's the reason why there's, there's this apathy towards not applying the fact that there's a vaccine and then that this is the outcome? You know, there's historical precedent. Uh, for instance, smoking and lung cancer the opioid pandemic and recognizing how deadly it was. Uh, let's take smoking and lung cancer. Sir Aud uh, Austin Bradford Hill came up with uh, criteria to judge causation. We can apply them here. Uh, the first criteria is, is it biologically plausible you could take a vaccine and die? Well, it's the genetic code for the lethal protein that was engineered in a biosecurity lab in Wuhan, China. It was designed to be lethal. So in the wrong person at the wrong time, a good installation, high quality, high volume production of spike protein will be lethal. It was designed to do so. So the first criteria is met. The biologic mechanism of action is there. The second criteria is, is it temporally related? You and I just went over the data. It happens quickly. It happens quickly. So it's strongly temporally related. The third criteria is, is it a big signal? Yeah, it's an astronomical signal. More people have died after this product than any medicinal or biologic product in human history. More than Laetrile, more than DES, more than uh, tainted Tylenol, more than uh, uh, any other product. It's the largest signal ever. It's internally consistent. We see a lot of near misses, blood clots, heart damage, resuscitated cardiac arrest. It's externally consistent. The VAERS system agrees with the yellow card, the EU UDRA, and the WHO VigiSafe systems. And then the last criteria is randomized trials. In the biggest randomized trial program, which is Pfizer, there's more deaths with Pfizer than placebo. So you can tell your son, listen, my daughter's a University of Denver graduate too. She's pretty smart. You can tell your smart son that yes, the, the criteria for causality have been fulfilled beyond a shadow of a doubt, <clears throat> probably on a clear and convincing basis, the vaccines are causing large numbers of death. Take him, the Sir Odford, uh, Austin Bradford Hill criteria, and let him take a look at it. Yeah, he, um, he, he likes to, to debate me quite often. So we have these conversations related to that. And the good news is, is he does do his research. And uh, I, I cite quite a few of the work because he got vaccinated and didn't tell me for, you know, a couple months. It's a very unwise choice for a young person. COVID is like a, like a minor cold. And the risks are extraordinary. You know, a recent Zogby survey, very reliable survey group, uh, survey people, two-thirds of people took the products. And it turns out 15% have some new disease, and they regret it greatly. Obviously, some have died. Now, 85%, hopefully your son's one of them, is perfectly fine. What we've learned is that the messenger RNA does degrade considerably. It was known in the European medicine application by Moderna, huge amounts of product go bad pretty quickly. And uh, the super cooling isn't done anymore. The products are left out on the shelf. Uh, they use multi-use vials to introduce air through the diaphragm of the vials. All of this works to degrade product. 
the leading thinking is, Joe, that your son probably got a dud. He probably got through manufacturing and handling human error. He got relatively inactive product. And if he would have gotten uh, a good, well-preserved, well-constructed dose of messenger RNA, he could have lost his life or had a blood clot. I mean, that's absolutely horrific. And we know this is the case, Joe. You know why? Because the, the deaths and the complications are not equally distributed across lots. They are restricted to certain lots of products. So a lot of vaccine is a product of good manufacturing. It's a proxy of good manufacturing and of uh, handling, cooling, etc. And this work has been done by Sasha Ladipova in Trial Site News. So you can have your uh, your expert son look at the relationship between lots. And with Senator Johnson, myself, Pierre Corey, Robert Malone, we're in Washington at the crony capitalism meeting. Johnson said he comes from a manufacturing background. He knows this is a product problem because it's not equally distributed across lots. It's not just a random thing in humans. It's actually related to the product. You know, it's it's tough as a father because when he finally told me, it was uh, my fear. I mean, I was like, you need to go to the doctor, you need to get checked out, you need to make sure that you don't have any of these these uh, strands growing in your in your blood vessels. We're going to check your heart out. We're going to go through all these processes. He's like, Dad, I'm fine. His only reason for getting the vaccine was because they were stopping him from having any interaction with people around him. So young people are just they, they're just willing to sacrifice a lot. In order to get one of the convenience and and uh, you know I thought I'd raised him better but I, I have hey Joe, I mean, he's what, a good boy so to young Joe what happened to young people being rebels being uh, you know bucking authority uh, uh, you know being independent thinking on themselves it's amazing how young people suddenly are the most cowardly the most easily cowed into something the most submissive and the most compliant. I am stunned that the rebel nature of young people is completely gone. Well, I'd hope it's not completely gone because I have met, but, but, but seeing the indoctrination camps that they, and my, and my kids didn't, my, my, my son didn't get it till he went to college. I mean, before that, it was, he went to a, a Christian school. I was there pretty much every day. Um, and to see what, they, what the, the universities do specifically and how they create this, this constant pressure of indoctrination and, and you know, this is the fear, 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 fear. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it's difficult to watch and it's difficult to pay for. <laughs> so I, I paid for his education. <sighs> well, listen, decades ago, they used to be young rebels. They yeah. were going to question that was authority. Me. They were going to be free thinkers. All the universities have mottos about free thinking and about challenging uh, the orthodoxy. All of them have this in their mottos. So I gotta tell you, I think something else is going on. I think the young people are in some type of cloud of fear, of self-doubt. Uh, young people are really disappointing society big time. I mean, I gotta tell you what, I don't have a greater disappointment right now than our US military. Our US military is in shambles and the vaccine program is destroying them in three ways. The first way is that those who are forced to take the vaccine or don't want it, they're mentally broken. Remember, the military is always about having a tough mind and a body. So their, their mind is broken by having forced to take the genetic code for the Chinese Wuhan spike protein. The second way is that, as Zogby pointed out, 15% of our military have some new, some new medical problem that they either admit to or they don't. 
And then the third way is that all the people with really strong minds and bodies, they're walking out or being forced out of the military. It couldn't be worse. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because my next question was to show you this. This is the DMED database uh, information that uh, is in Thomas Wren's, uh, his collection of information. This is at wrens-law.com. And, and this goes through the total number of diseases and injuries reported by year ambulatory from 2016 until 2021. This isn't even fully complete to 2022 because you can't, can't trust the information from 2022 because they killed the database. But this shows a 988% increase in diseases and injuries reported compared to 2020 to 2021. And this is only a partial year. You know, the reason why this is important, Joe, is that this is not like VAERS. This is not uh, spontaneous reporting. This is clinical occurrence. Remember, the military, they all have guaranteed health care. So when they get sick, they go in and they get a diagnosis. And that's what is turned up in DMED. There's been a multifold increase in blood clots, heart damage, triggering myocardial infarction, stroke, uh, a fetal loss. And, and sadly, DMED's got one of the strongest signals for malignancy in our 2.7 million uh, people serving our country here. This is astonishing. You know, all the data are cohesive from every part of the world. This is not a spurious finding. The vaccines are causing great harm. Well, there, and here's a total number of malignant uh, neuroendocrine uh, tumor reports by year, 276% increase in disease and injury reports compared to 2020 to 2021. So across the board, this is a good indicator of what's really happening. What's the long-term effects, Dr. McCullough, of the COVID-19 vaccine? What, or how, many, how many more years are we going to start seeing um, these fall-offs and these deaths? And, and do you predict that it's going to get even worse? I think it's going to be largely uh, dependent on cumulative exposure. You know, we've never given a vaccine every six months, ever, because vaccines, given that frequently, basically don't work. And we've never given genetic material to the human body. So to give genetic material every six months uh, with no assurances on long-term safety, no one knows, Joe. But I can tell you, based on the thousand papers in the peer-reviewed literature, blood clots, heart damage, neurologic damage, immunologic damage, and now cancers, none of it's good. I, I mean, there isn't a single good thing about loading the body with foreign genetic material and having the spike protein be produced over and over again every six months, nothing. And if you were to try to explain that to somebody from outer space, they would say, what? You're injecting foreign genetic code that was developed in a Chinese biosecurity lab by US government researchers and is coding for a lethal protein by design? You're doing this every six months? People would say, like, what are you doing? This is we have this graph. I want to I want to go back to this if I can and show you the database being backfilled, Mr. Producer. If you'll if you'll show the this is the the we'll go from both the other. This is total number of diseases and injuries reported by year, uh, and ambulatory. And then if you go from this is the one graph. So note the note date obtained right below that is January nineteenth, twenty twenty two. Yep. And then when you go over, uh, this was pulled. Uh, just hold on, let me adjust that. This was pulled just uh, what a couple weeks later on yeah. one thirty one. Um, 
Hold on, let me pull that over. So, so Dr. McCullough, this shows that they're literally not only hiding information, they're just making stuff up to make well, it look you, like it's... You know, the, the lead whistleblower was uh, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, yeah. and her name was divulged at the uh, U.S. Senate testimony that I co-moderated uh, January 24th, 2022, when this was presented. And then just a few days later, the military officials then raised all the bars uh, to try to whitewash this. Fortunately, Senator Johnson has this essentially under subpoena. And uh, this is just one example of the extent that uh, that organizations will take to cover up problems with the vaccine. And you mentioned Nuremberg. You know, the Office of Human Research Protections in Washington, which should be safeguarding this large investigational program, has six cornerstones of bioethics. The first one is the Declaration of Helsinki, that is, uh, that there should be fair, informed consent. And when signals like this are seen, the consent form should have been updated multiple times, mentioning blood clots, cancer, heart damage, fatalities. Uh, and the consent forms have not been appropriately modified to inform people. So the program, when you walk into the pharmacies right now, they are not fairly informing people of what they're getting into. And then the second thing is the Nuremberg Code, that under no circumstances can anybody receive any pressure, coercion, or threat of reprisal. Well, the military is being actively coerced, no doubt about it. People are being uh, uh, threatened uh, and, and, uh, and discriminated against. They're losing their jobs. I thought Aaron Rodgers' interview with Joe Rogan is great. They, you know, they both uh, received the McCullough Protocol. That's how they got through the illness. Uh, uh, Aaron told Joe about the discrimination the NFL had. He had to work uh, work out by himself alone, wristband. You know, now the CDC has come out and said, we're sorry, we are wrong, that the fully vaccinated are indistinguishable from the unvaccinated from a public health perspective. So everything the military is doing, everything the NFL, uh, the schools, the employers, none of it is supported by the science and none of it is supported by the regulatory agencies. So it feels like the, the wolves are, are controlling the hen house because the big tech media, um, pharmaceutical companies, people like Fauci, uh, the, the unions for schools against our children, we, we were talking about this two years ago. We're, two years ago we were saying this doesn't make any sense. And yet it's now just coming to the front that we were right all along, but we were called conspiracy theorists. You were, you were under massive attack by social platforms. Twitter came after you. Uh, fact checkers were suppressing information. I want to know, Dr. McCullough, what, what, about, what, what about accountability? What about getting to a place where we finally get our, our day in court? Does this mean every American should sue and just bog down the judiciary, the judiciary and say, listen, we want... We, we want accountability, and when do we get it? We have to have a lot more attorneys showing some courage out there. You know, there's, there's uh, I don't know, three to five million attorneys, just a handful, are willing to even attempt any cases. Uh, uh, you know, they should be out in force doing pro bono work, uh, trying to get things corrected. You know, we have about 450 congressmen and senators in Washington do you know only 16 had the courage to sign a letter asking the chairman of the FDA to try to explain the, the risks and benefits of vaccination in children? We have a complete and total lack of courage, just like in your son. He doesn't have any courage to say no to these vaccines, just took him. This lack of courage, that's the reason why the title of our book is so important. 
courage to face COVID-19. It's not just facing the illness. It's facing this entire debacle that's going on. We've got a giant shortage of courage up and down our professional ranks, up and down our universities. And you know this because do you know the universities and companies that have a vaccine mandate, Joe? Do you know not a single CEO or board director comes out and says they're responsible for the mandates? No one knows who's responsible. No one has the courage to say they're responsible for these. Well, but they, they do have the courage to stand up and start beating and battering and bullying the American people that stand up and say something doesn't seem right. We probably need to back away. I often say that courage is more infectious than fear, and we have to start showing courage. And one of the reasons why I think young people are so fearful is because the adults have shown, they haven't shown the Constitution to stay committed to what's right. And, you know, my dad taught me a long time ago, he said, what's right is rarely popular, what's popular is rarely right, always take the road that's right. And it's been tough. It's been really tough. And but consistency is key. And so often we tell our kids one thing and we're not consistent in character and that leads them to be able to compromise whether or not they always have courage. So I think it's our responsibility and we have to lead from the front. And so if we don't start leading from the front doing what you're doing, we'll find ourselves in this place where, frankly, we're, we're, uh, we're anemic and unable to fight back. And I think that's, uh, we, we have a choice. I think we're at the fork in the road right now. I, you know, I would agree with that. Uh, and there's something in the minds of people. I think we have to recognize the human mind is not thinking correctly. Doctors are not thinking correctly. Do you know, do you know there are heart transplant programs where, where patients are barely alive with heart failure and they're given these vaccines which cause heart damage. That's the most risky thing you could ever do to a heart transplant candidate. And yet doctors are doing it. There are people who, uh, who have no clinical indications for these vaccines. They have no medical necessity and they have absolute contraindications to taking a vaccine. And the doctors are telling them, take the vaccine anyway. And the patients say, well, I'm gonna die. And the doctor says, take it anyway. I, it's extraordinary. We've never seen this before. You know, Aaron Rodgers told the NFL, he's got a PEG allergy. He's gonna die if he takes the vaccine. And he, you know, thankfully with his intelligence and, and his stardom, he stuck with it. But I guarantee they were telling him, take the vaccine anyway. You know, people were criticizing him. Other players were criticizing him that he should just take the vaccine. Oh, really? He should just take the vaccine and die? I mean, he saved his own life. I, I uh, tweeted out that uh, there's been several thousand immediate allergic deaths, 32,000 serious allergic allergies, uh, reactions that would have hospitalized him. Aaron Rodgers would have been in deep trouble if he took the vaccine. Joe, not everybody can take the same product. People should realize that you can't, not everybody can take the same pill. They can't take the same product. So employers and others should recognize that this never should have been forced or mandated. It should always be individual choice. But the same type of virtue signaling that we see happening in society, just take it, just take it, just take it, it feels like a psyop. It feels like they've conditioned us using techniques like the mainstream media and tech and, and wanting people, in large part, the tech companies can decide who is invisible and who isn't invisible. And so by standing up for this, you, you get to be you know, the shroud lifted and now people can, you know, oh, it's okay, everything's great. Oh, I'm so glad you took the vaccine while just giving up their individual ability to think for themselves. I've never understood that. 
and you say doctors, it's everyone. It's like. It's true. You know, there's been three false claims of the vaccine agenda, a fourth one on its way. The first one is that the vaccine stopped the infection. You know, our president said this, uh, uh, late night talk host said this. And then in early 2021, thousands of fully vaccinated people poured into hospitals and died after taking the vaccine. There's so many, the CDC gave up on May 1st. They said we can no longer track these breakthrough infections. So claim number one went down. The second claim is, well, it blocks transmission. Oh, people showed up to the workplace, weddings on cruise boats. They fully vaccinated, passed to chew each other like crazy. Five papers were published showing equal viral loads in the vaccinated nose compared to someone unvaccinated. And our CDC director came out and said, whoops, uh, they don't stop transmission. So that claim went down. And then the final claim you just mentioned is that as a consolation prize, if you take the vaccine, uh, you'll have a milder case or you're, you're, you're more likely to survive. The CDC just put out some fraudulent data making that claim. Uh, and I can tell you it's fraudulent because there's only two things that improve survival with COVID. And that's having a prior infection. So the second infection is milder and then early treatment. And these studies, including the CDC data, don't account for these factors. I'll tell you in practice, the fully vaccinated person is the first person to request early treatment. They're so fearful of the illness. And on top of that, uh, the hospitals don't have any linkage to the vaccine administration system. They rely on self-report. Most patients don't bring their vaccine card. So, you know, most electronic records in the hospital are EPIC system. And that's what we use at our center. And, and the default is unvaccinated. So the hospital administrators are putting out bogus reports that the majority of people in the hospital are unvaccinated it's because they haven't checked. Uh, and then there's no adjudication for why they're there in the hospital, differential testing. And we know that it's a bogus claim because in Canada, the UK, Europe, South Africa, Australia, that the vast majority of people in the hospital and dying of COVID are fully vaccinated. So that last claim went down I think the best meme of all, Joe, is the one where the guy gets COVID and he dies and he says, wow, thank goodness I had a vaccine. It could have been worse. <laughs> I want to ask you about, I feel, I feel your pain because, and, and people, they're trying to move past COVID-19. I think we have to, this is the, the line in the sand, along with elections, by the way, uh, this is the line in the sand we have to draw and say, look, that these don't, they don't represent our best interests, not just here, but globally. They've developed this elite system that allows for them to manipulate every part of society. And again, not just in America, but around the world. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, the Operation Warp Speed. Now they're blaming President Trump, saying that it's his fault that the vaccine is not working. They're switching the narrative. And now it's President Trump's fault that people died of the vaccine because he, he pushed it. Well, remember, uh, President Trump started his administration in 2016. I've already reviewed the peer-reviewed papers on this. Works on a COVID vaccine was, uh, you know, they started way back in 2012. The papers were published in 2015. Recall that Moderna CEO Stefan Bainzel was the billionaire CEO of BioMU. BioMU built the biosecurity annex in Wuhan under Stefan Bainzel's direction. And then in 2011, he leaves BioMU and he joins Moderna. And then Moderna writes the patent for the vaccine with the National Institutes of Health. All of that precedes Trump. So Trump actually did not have anything to do with the vaccines. 
Operation Warp Speed was a veil. It was a veil that basically tried to fool America like suddenly we were going to develop vaccines. We knew this wasn't right because within three days of the U.S. announcing that there was a crisis of COVID-19, Moderna said they already had a patent. Well, you can't develop, they already have a vaccine. You can't develop a vaccine within three days of the crisis emerging. So Trump didn't have anything to do with vaccine development. He didn't have anything to do with warp speed. His only shortcoming is he doesn't recognize that he's not linked to the vaccine. And the smartest thing he could do is wash his hands of the vaccine, declare that we should drop all mandates and pull the products, and the entire nation would come behind him. Well, and, and we keep seeing him fill stadiums with 60, 70, 80,000 people, and Biden can't get three people to show up in a circle. So we, we know that there's something to the manipulation that's happening in our society. But, but I, have to, I have to ask you this, because gain of function became the thing that everyone talked about, and we talked about what happened in Wuhan. I believe that loose lips sink ships, and I believe that's what happened. We, we, we were able to uncover the fact that came from Wuhan, China, came from these bio, bio laboratories. Um, you know what? What you know? What culpability does does Fauci have? He had to know. He funded it. And if they were working on this in 2012, then then they really just released a bio agent across the globe in order to create panic and and create an economic reset. I'm confused on the motives behind this and whether or not we can get back to truth at some point related to this. The Manicherry papers I quoted in Nature and in. Uh, the proceedings of the National Academy of Science clearly say the NIH funded it, the NIH was aware. They clearly say that they were actually trying to make the spike protein more lethal and able to invade a humanized respiratory epithelium through the ACE2 receptor, and the modification occurred at the furin cleavage joint. You don't have to have any uh, hearings on this. It's actually in the peer review papers. Just pull the papers and read them. It's clear. And so uh, from the project officer, of the grants, of the Ralph Barrett grants, all the way to that person's supervisor, to the next supervisor, the next supervisor, that's the chain of culpability. Now, in fact, uh, in one of the papers, it said, listen, we can't do this work in the United States because of the prohibition on gain of function. So we did this U.S. work in Wuhan, China. And they give, one of the papers, they give credit to a couple of Chinese scientists. One of them is Dr. Shengren Li. She's the bat lady because they needed to harvest the, the spike protein from and the virus from bats. So I can tell you, this is all in the open. It's not secret. It's all published ahead of time. All of this is just, all it has to do is be reviewed. Someone can just read Bregan's book. It has over 1,100 citations. It's, it's completely accurate. You know, recently, Joe, I went on with Steve Bannon, and Steve impressed me. He said, thank goodness you guys wrote the books because everything else is gonna be whitewashed. Electronic search engines, Google, Twitter, Facebook, oh, YouTube, it's all gonna be whitewashed in the end. This is a US government operation gone bad and everything's gonna be whitewashed. The only thing that's gonna remain are the books, the documentaries and independent media that gets preserved. Well, and that leads us to what the next step is. I know you're out of time. I'm gonna give you the last, last uh, comment and then there's so much more I wanna ask you. I, I want to encourage everyone to read your book, to read Bregan, Dr. Bregan's book as well. Um, I've read that book, amazing book. Uh, I, I have a list of books and, and I keep pushing things up. And so this one will be now top of the, I'll read your book, uh, the, Cur the Courage to Face COVID-19. 
Um, but I'll give you the last word. And then and we, we pray for everyone on this show at the very end of the show. So I'm going to pray for you before you leave. Thank you. It's my, uh, certainly um, uh, very appreciated. Uh, you know, the reason why Courage to Face COVID-19 is in the lead in all the books is for the following reason, is that this is such a complex, mind-blowing reality. People cannot actually believe this is going on, that we actually took the time to write it in a narrative, a story. It's not a medical book. It's a story. It's a page turner, very short chapters, <coughs> big print, relates to other key events in history. You know, I'm a character in it, but also Didier Rialt and Vladimir Zelenko, Ron Johnson, Peter Navarro. We all played a role in this. And uh, uh, people can read the book and they can relate to these historical characters. And I think in a relatable book like this, we can read it about two and a half hours and get a great understanding on it. And it is about the suppression of early treatment. The suppression of early treatment, as we reviewed, costed lives and caused unnecessary hospitalizations. It was a crime. The two crimes that uh, were committed, we believe, by this biopharmaceutical complex was, uh, was fraud and mass negligent homicide. The victims were wow. Americans and people worldwide. The perpetrators, Joe, were the complex. The complex is uh, the World Economic Forum, Gates Foundation, CEPI, World Health Organization, Welcome Trust, Rockefeller Foundation, Gavi, EcoHealth Alliance, CDC, NIH, and FDA. And the suppliers are the pharmaceutical uh, companies, the Communist China Party, Wuhan Lab, they're in the complex. The complex has basically figured out how to get money to flow through the creation of these worldwide crises. Do you know right now we're under two crises? We actually have two declared U.S. health crises, SARS-CoV-2 and monkeypox. Yeah. Do you feel or see a monkeypox crisis around you? I can. That, that, that's prima facie evidence that fraud is going on right now by this biopharmaceutical complex. So you got to read it. Uh, so courage to face COVID not uh, COVID nine courage to face COVID dot com. Go to my link tree petermccullummd.com. It takes you to all my social media. Um, I'm, of all the scientists who are giving truth to Americans, I have the greatest Twitter following now of anyone, and uh, and I'm still alive on Twitter and in social media, as well as uh, uh, my my podcast America Out Loud Talk Radio McCullough Report. That's an unassailable platform. And uh, people worldwide, and I interview people worldwide because whatever we've talked about today, Joe, is not an American problem. It's going on worldwide. It's globally. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, I want to. I want to thank you. Before we pray for you, I want to thank you for the courage that you have, the wisdom, and the and and frankly, the 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 fact that you bring it with such a even keel. You know, just standing in the middle, talking unequivocally about the truth, being an ambassador of that truth, um, and not not getting into the hyperbole or the you know, the, the, the drama that gets created, you just kind of cut through it and just say, hey, this is what we're seeing, this is what the truth is, um, and think for yourself on whether or not, what you want to do with that information. So I want to thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to pray for you. You're sick, so I'm going to, it sounds like you have a cold you're battling, so I'm going to pray for you to, to, for healing as well. Thank you. <sighs> Father God, thank you for Dr. McCullough. Thank you for having him be born at a time such as this. Thank you for giving him the strength, the stamina, the courage to stand up for truth. Thank you for walking side by side with him. 
Thank you for the opportunity to give him access to knowledge. Thank you for the wisdom that you bestowed upon him, the character that he carries, and for the time that he gives all of us, not just in the United States, but around the world. Father, thank you for allowing us to be the tools, allowing Dr. McCullough to be your tool for truth and purveyor of truth, to drop that truth inside of not just the American population, but in those that are chartered to represent us and lead us, Father. Father, I would ask a special blessing on Dr. McCullough that you can heal him. He is sick right now, so I just ask you to heal him. I would ask you to guard his mind, guard his heart, to protect his health, to protect his family. Father, I would ask you to give him the tools, give him the pathway that's necessary to be a catalyst in defeating that evil in our society that would do harm to not just Americans, but those around the world. Father, I would ask you to elevate Dr. McCullough's voice, give him the opportunity to be heard by those that are resistant, that may have their head in the sand. Give them the ability to hear it, Father. Hear the truth. Father, please bless Dr. McCullough that as he walks with his colleagues and others in this fight to uncover truth, that we can get to a place of full accountability that we can stop those that are conspiring to hurt Americans and hurt people around the world, and we can stop this diabolical plan to, to hurt and create chaos in our environment and in our community. Father, I would ask you to guard our nation, guard the hearts of those in our nation. I would ask you to help us to have the courage collectively to stand in the gap, to be the lesser magistrates, to learn the power of the word no, to think for ourselves, and to be examples for the young people coming up of what it means to make sacrifices in order to protect that which is most sacred, Father, and that is our children and our grandchildren. Father, help us that we may restore you to our community. Forgive us for just not plowing the fields and not taking care of the weeds and not taking care of the land that you've given us and the opportunity that you've bestowed upon us. Father, help us to set aside our petty differences. Help us to be able to mute those that would do harm, mute those that are lying to us, Father, and allow those to see truth. I ask for all of these things, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Dr. McCullough, thank you very much for the work that you do and you continue to do. Um, I think you're going to be at the, are you at the Reawaken America tour? Are you on the, are you in Idaho? Uh, I'm going to be in Idaho, but I don't. I think at a different event. But I'd love to rejoin the reawakening tour. I loved it uh, the one time I did it, so I'd be happy to come back anytime. All right, so I'm going to make a call. I think we're having Clay on sometime next week, so I look forward to it. Maybe, okay. maybe we'll get you get you out there as well. God bless you, and thank you for all the work you've done. Thank you for giving us your your uh, precious time as much as you gave us. So thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye, Dr. Peter McCullough. If you didn't get a chance to watch all of this interview, please go back and listen to it. It's an amazing interview. And he gives us a lot of insight, but he does so without emotion, not the emotion that you'd normally feel, because you can feel the emotion through Dr. McCall as he speaks truth. And he talks about what he knows best. He knows about the medical environment. 
I've learned more from the white papers and the people. I was, I was busy writing stuff down. I don't have to go back and listen to it so I can get all the names of these white papers, the University of, of Pittsburgh, study out of Sweden that's six months old, because um, I think that it's important for us to become learned about those things that people talk about so that we can actually be purveyors of truth as well. So God bless you all. I will, um, I will not be on tonight. Uh, Mr. Producer, you're on tonight. Yeah. So uh, Apollo is on tonight. I think he's on with April Moss. Please listen to that. It should be a great interview and a great time with, with April. I'll be traveling, but I'll be back on tomorrow morning. So God bless you all. I'll see you tomorrow. If you want to watch Conservative Daily Podcast, we go live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time and 4 p.m. Mountain Time. You can find us live at conservative-daily.com, on Rumble, on Frank's Beach, where we go live on Lindell TV 2 at those same times, on DLive, and now on Odyssey. You can also find our episodes at brighteon.com. Make sure you also check out the link in the description to go to the Brighteon store and prepare you and your family with the awesome storable food and other products that they have there. You can find us on the audio edition at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, Audible, and everywhere else. Make sure you go and give us a five-star review and be that ambassador of truth. Share this episode with everyone who needs to hear it. Text the word FREEDOM to 89517 and we'll shoot you a text message when we're about to go live. Check out the description for our link to the daily newsletter so you get access to the fax blasts. We want to thank you for being a listener of Conservative Daily Podcast as we pursue truth and fight to restore our nation. We will continue to provide you with the most important information that the mainstream media will not show you. Now at conservative-daily.com, you have the option to become a member with us. Each membership option varies in access and discounts in regards to the ability to interact with the daily fax blasts, monthly savings, access to extra content, and interactions with the hosts and guests of the show. Go to conservative-daily.com and become a member right now for as little as $10 a month. Make sure you check out social media and find us everywhere at Conservative Daily and at Joel Oltman. We'll see you next time on Conservative Daily Podcast. It's time to do the hard work. Let's take our country back, patriots. God bless America.